0: This is a reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 49 through 56. I have come to cast fire upon the earth, and how I wish it were already ablaze. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, and son against father mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, Mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say, it's going to rain. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of Earth and sky. But why do you not know how to interpret the present time?
1: Tony had lived a long and good life, and when his time had come, he found himself before the pearly gates of heaven. And St. Peter was there and offered to him a tour of the place, and so they started along, each one asking some questions of the other. And when they came to this door, this first door that they came across, they heard a lot of singing and a few whoops of hallelujah. And Tony wanted to know who was behind that door. Peter said to him, well, Tony, you are a congregationalist, right? You're down there off of that uh, Mission Road. Um, Well, that's, you know, you'll get to where you need to be right here. This is where the Baptists are. He kept on walking a few steps down. Tony peeked in to see some orderly worshipers singing songs and studying their Bibles. And in this one are the Methodists, Peter said. Let's keep walking." And as they approached a third door, Tony could hear bells and could smell the sweet aroma of incense. And he was about to speak when St. Peter motioned for him to be quiet. Shh. That's the Episcopalians, he said. They think they're the only ones here. (laughs) So that's my attempt at a joke. I'm not a comedian, I'm a pastor, and no offense intended to our Episcopalian neighbors. Did you know there are over 200 denominations and about 270,000 different churches in the United States? Roman Catholics, Southern Baptists, Lutherans, Methodists, Mormons, Congregationalists, Assembly of God, Add to this over 30,000 non-denominational churches and in Kansas there are hundreds of different churches. And many of them have a very similar message. We are right and you are wrong. Did you know that Martin Luther unintentionally began the split from the Catholic Church, to form what would become the Protestant Church, the part of the Church that we are a part of. He actually didn't mean for this splintering to occur. Rather, he had wanted the Church, the Catholic Church itself, to reform. It just seems to be embedded into our culture, though, that when we don't get what we want, we go off and we do our own thing. I mean, what could be more American than that? But in fact, there have been conflicts in churches as far back as the first century after Jesus' death and resurrection. And a good part of our New Testament consists of Paul's letters to the churches in Rome and Corinth, Galatia, Ephesus, Colossae and Thessalonica. And these letters advise the churches on how to be in unity with one another, how to act, as a church, as one undivided people. But just 10 to 20 years after Jesus' death, there are conversations and arguments on how to be the church, how to do it right. And they've been going strong ever since. Did you know the first church buildings didn't start to appear until over a century after Jesus had died? So the earliest believers, they met in homes. And if you had Peter's home church and Matthew's home church, it stands to reason that different things would be said in different places. And certainly here in Prairie Village, we have different ways of teaching that same gospel. Some churches might be more open than others, more relaxed on certain things. Some churches maybe not so much. But aren't we all trying our best to live out Jesus's command to love God and our neighbor? I hope so. So how did we get to be so splintered and segregated? And division, right? It's not limited just to faith. No, you have your mint chocolate chip and your rainbow sherbet. You have your Democrats and your Republicans, your Coke versus Pepsi. You're either a dog person or a cat person. You're for this or for that. You're for the chiefs. You're for the, well, who the, I mean, it's just the chiefs, right? (laughs) But for almost everything else, we love to argue. We can always find something to get riled up about. And often much of it is incredibly important, like the amendment that was recently voted on in Kansas. It's important because it involves the lives of real people in real situations. But I can understand the people who say that coming together on a Sunday morning should be a relief from all the tough stuff going on in the world. This isn't a time for division, for arguments, or politics. Some might say, we choose to come here because we like the fellowship, or we like the worship service, we like the music, we like the pastor. And many in our churches today, they they don't want to hear any argument, they don't want to hear anything at all political, right? But if we are to understand the message of Jesus for our time, and if we are to stand for the gospel, then we should understand what argument is for and what politics actually means. You see, political discussion actually does have a place in churches. Why? Because to be political is to deal with the polis, the affairs of the city. And Jesus actually has a lot to say about those affairs because they involve real people in real life situations. And so while I agree that we might not be here to talk about one side versus the other, we are here to point out when anyone is actively hurting others. We're here to point out about the ways that real people are being victimized or marginalized or ostracized or hurt. And while that may seem like division, like maybe we're just making things worse, I think we're doing rather the opposite. We're doing what we feel called to do. We live in a world of division, of us versus them. It's the good Christians and everybody else. It looks like... um, Division that occurs when somebody tweets something, uh, you know, a political leader tweets something that maybe they shouldn't have. It looks like us versus versus. You know, it looks like us here versus those churches that exclude others because of where someone comes from or who they love. And in our world, actually, we have become obsessed with what we call call-out culture. It's this idea that we hold the upper hand of morality. We are the moral compass. We're so obsessed with looking for the enemies, my friends, that we often forget to look for our friends. We are so quick to judge one another when Jesus' whole deal was, don't judge. The gospel message today is about a radical change in how Jesus wants us to view ourselves and our relationships to one another, about how this world can and could be different. It's about creating a reality of what Jesus calls the kingdom, Some, some people say the kingdom of God, and this isn't a reality that people always want to hear about. Because this is a reality that challenges our preconceived notions about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a human being, to be in relationship to one another. This gospel that we proclaim is one that gives comfort to the poor, not because it is right to fill up our food pantries, but because Jesus' new vision for the world has no more food pantries This is a world where everyone has their fair share and their own daily bread. A world where no matter who you are or where you come from, no matter what you have done or said, or no matter who you might have hurt, this new world says you are welcome here. You belong here. You're a part of me and I'm a part of you. That is a hard message for a lot of us to really understand. Jesus' teaching is one that shifts the narrative. Jesus doesn't by himself create division, rather the opposite. Jesus shifts the narrative to one that cuts the systems out in our world that limit or divide or segregate or pushes away, and it pushes us instead toward a world that is full of God's love. Jesus pushes us toward a vision of God's new kingdom, God's new world, God's new family that you and I are called to build each and every day. So someday we're going to walk with Peter through those pearly gates or whatever it might be look like. And my hope is that we will see empty rooms there. We'll see walls torn down. We'll see people rejoicing together, whatever the color of their skin or their politics, no matter the money they had or didn't have, no matter who they loved or who they married, no matter who they are, no matter the decisions that they made for themselves. But here's the really cool thing. We don't have to wait. We can begin today to make that our new reality. We can begin today to set fire to this broken world and to build one full of light and love and unity and joy. So let's let love kindle our hearts In the hearts of those who just aren't quite ready, let's help to bring those people along with us. To start to see this new vision. This new vision of God's love. This new vision of God's mercy. This new vision of God's grace. This new vision of God's community being built right here in Prairie Village, right here at Colonial Church, right here today. Let it begin with us, amen.